G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. The story. And one time I was sitting at my mate's uni party and a girl walks in, her name's Lizzie, and I used to work my first job in Harvey Bay. She was sold out on fire for the Lord and she would always nag on me to get to church and youth. I'm like, nah, not interested, you know, I've got my own plan. And she had a go at me, she's like, why do you wear a cross around your neck if you don't, you know, live it? That stuck with me and all these times I've realised how many times God moved on people and then people listened and obedient and reached out. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time we heard how Mike Lane was going through somewhat of an existential crisis when he felt led by God to learn how to play the didgeridoo. This turned out to be a tremendous success as he went on to tour the world with his band River Tribe. This time, Mike will introduce us to his good friend and fellow didgeridoo player, Isaac Harrison, who just happens to be the founder of his own renewable energy company. I don't want to give too much away, but I will let you know that today's chat involves a Rolls Royce, an electric car, and faith in the Lord. Once again, here's Mike Lane and Eric Scatterbo in our Melbourne studios, and they're chatting about how their first interview almost didn't occur. Lane, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Eric. Good to see you again. Glad to have you on the program again. And now, before that interview, we were trying to pick out a date to get to the studio, and you said, oh, there might be a conflict because I might be going to pick up a Rolls Royce. Yes. Doesn't everyone do that? <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of got my attention. I mean, I know you were a success with River Tribe, but I didn't think it was that successful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was given a Rolls Royce, which is... You were given a Rolls yeah. Royce. Yeah, so um, Isaac will come into the interview uh, shortly and I guess fill in the gaps on the story, but it just came from an idea I was throwing around with Isaac uh, a little while ago to help promote his, he's an Indigenous entrepreneur and uh, runs a company called Bunjil Energy, mm-hmm. and um, initially it started out as an idea just to uh, help him promote his uh, his business, his company. It kind of grew out of that. It's got a lot bigger than that, but yeah, it's an interesting story that we're yes, given, yes. given a car. Well, you mentioned Isaac. At this point, we would like to welcome to the program Isaac Harrison. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. Glad to have you with us. And so this picking up a Rolls Royce was yep. part of a project you're involved in. What's the background? Yeah, so um, yeah, it, was a, it was an idea at the time. Mike uh, had a has a friendship with um, David Bromley, who's an Australian... Uh, artist and some could say an icon so yeah mike's um you know i've done some work with him and he and he suggested uh converting one of his cars to electric and we've actually just had a staff member leave for this company in melbourne that's doing a lot of electric conversions so there was a few synergies that were popping up and what started as a conversation then a visit out to dalesford has now really flourished into a um a viable project. So. Wow. So let's just back up a little bit. So obviously, Mike and yourself, Isaac, you're good friends. Yep. I understand that you play the didgeridoo together. Yep. yep. And you have your own energy company, Moonjill yep. Energy. Yeah. And so this whole Rolls-Royce conversion to electric car 
is a promotional idea for your yeah, company? Yeah, yeah, it was just a... It was really a marketing in a way. There's a there's a show that used to play called Bush Mechanics and follows, Oh yes, I just watched yeah, it the other day. Shows, yeah. Follows a group of indigenous lads who, you know, go on an adventure and they come across their car breaks down and they use, you know, ingenuity in the bush, you know, like yeah. branches for new axles and, and yes. stuff like that. Yes. And it's quite incredible. And the reality is a lot of those indigenous people out there can do that and have mm-hmm. the the brain and the willpower to to put those things together very extremely resourceful people us uh, people indigenous people you know mm-hmm. we've used the land's resource as is for you know thousands of years so you know i was very inspired by that and i thought there's got to be a way where we could spark this project and catch attention of a lot of indigenous australians you know with the lowest socio demographic in australia we have the highest suicide rates and the highest in incarceration domestic violence you know you name it and and a lot of that's from the scars of colonization passed down through generations to get where we are today so i thought that would be a great way to to bring a, a bit of interest mm-hmm. for indigenous people looking at starting a trade and what i like to call the new new era you know that's renewable energy that's electric vehicles that's you know free energy that's energy from the sun the wind from the tides it's everywhere around us and we've had a centralized model in our heads mm-hmm. or what we've just accepted as convenience before at a cost to bringing pollution to you know god's creation and so it's up to us now to transition into better stewards of of the earth of mm-hmm. you know the you know it says the all of creation groans and travails, waiting for the sons of God to be made manifest. And I think that's up to us now, sons and daughters, to get involved and make a change. And that's my inspiration for the business and for the project. But, yeah, to, to throw it back to the start. Yes, it's, um, let's, yeah, let's, we'll get back to the whole Rolls <laughs> Rice thing. But you yourself yep. met Mike because you play yeah, the three Yeah, so I'm a Queenslander, so I'm from a small town called Harvey Bay in Queensland. Mm-hmm. Yep, been there. Um, so my my mother is uh, Aboriginal Australian. She's a cubby cubby and Birigupa woman, so Sunshine Coast and Air is where our um, lineage is. Mm-hmm. We've also got an ancestor who was a Kanaka taken from the South Sea Islands, who was um, taken from Vanuatu to New Caledonia to the Torres Straits and then into Queensland to cut cane, build railroads, and pretty much indentured servants, you know, similar to what they would have done in America. So he marries into an Aboriginal tribe um, on the Sunshine Coast, mm-hmm. and then after a couple of generations, we find ourselves, um, yeah, growing up in Townsville and then in Harvey Bay. So my father's white Australian, and you know his lineage is his father uh, committed suicide and was mm. physically abusive. Uh, his mother was also came from abusive home um he was an alcoholic before he became a christian and my mother was the same uh, statistic you know abused as a young sexually abused as a young child in a community a lot of alcohol a lot of violence so w- what broke it for us was my my nana and my mum became christian um, the salvation army has a long heritage with aboriginal people in this nation and they might see my nana actually ran away from church her parents were salvation army officers um which stopped her from being taken to a mission Mm. but she left that lifestyle and pursued um whatever was going fell in love with um someone else and much of my grandfather had 11 kids and so she went back to the lord and my mum came back at 13 and dedicated her life and she said to god two promises god um i want to marry a blonde-haired blue-eyed man which is my father, and he's still married <laughs> today. And the other one was, because she saw the, the trouble that people went through, she said, I never, ever want to have to apply 
for a job and my mum has never applied for a job in her life. She jobs straight out of university and she's been, always been offered jobs and now she runs her own organisation which gets women out of domestic violence situations in Brisbane and Logan. Wow. Um, so in Queensland. So that's my mum. My mum's a role model, same as my dad, you know, as cheesy as that sounds. So, yeah, going going back further, so from my nana, her grandfather um, was a S- Scottish stockman who came obviously from Scotland and he ran away with the maid, an Indigenous woman of that area. Back in those days, that was a big no-no, mixed relations. So the government came in, removed him, gave him a slap on the wrist, uh, took my great, 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 whatever it is, uh, Polly Smith, took her to Yarraba Mission outside of Cairns, and then they separated the children. And so the children was my nana's father. So his wife was taken away from him? Yeah, so you, you, you've and his you've forcibly removed. Yeah, because that was a big no-no. Was, and if you, if you go on Wikipedia and Google Australian Indigenous acts, you know, there's acts on rightfully shooting Aboriginals, there's acts on, you know, um, wow. removing children of mixed blood. Um, you know, I would be counted as, as a half caste, so I would have no place among white Australian, I'd have no place among Indigenous Australia. You know, so, Holland, so, I mean, I'm just trying to get my head around his children were taken away from him. Yeah, his and children. His wife. So, yeah, it's, it's very, it's very, it's quite common um, for Indigenous people to know that and share that. Did that they ever get back and, together? So, the as far as we know, they never found each other. Then she f- spent a lot of her time walking up um, southeast and north Queensland looking for him. Oh, um, wow. And she was even um, my uncle, Les, who's an elder, he said she was walking in the 80s. She could walk kilometers, you know, just keep walking. Um, and she never found him. So, oh, wow. Yeah, so it is It is sad and it ins- you know inspires me to, you know, be very thankful for where I am today because there's a lot of indigenous people you know their story doesn't change for the better it just gets mm. worse and getting to your personal story yeah so i grew up in a good home you know i grew up um in harvey bay good town and um for me i, I was always played my sports you know i played semi-professional uh soccer when i when i moved to brisbane i thought that was the way forward and um i went on a bit of a bender you know i broke my arm i've sort of lost track of the values and i ended up walking through the city queen street in brisbane um one night you know coming back from a late night and i heard street preachers actually you know fire and brimstone sort of guys and if you come from a christian home you sort of know what they're talking about yeah i was going to ask you so were you raised in the church did you know about yeah so faith? we grew up in coc uh, christian outreach center um and then my uncle was discipled by clark taylor um, and he started his own um, church in, in around Harvey Bay area. So I grew up with a, very much a country church sort of situation. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, super thankful. And so for me, I, I sort of went away from, you know, God's truth and, and backslid and, and, you know, was serving myself primarily and mm-hmm. looking after number one. <laughs> and uh, more and more, I realized how much of a selfish kid I was. Anyway, so I saw these street preachers and one of those guys, so this is in Brisbane City, one of those guys was actually from Harvey Bay. And knew my family, mm-hmm. and, and oh, wow. within about two sentences, we worked out why well, we were both from the small same town. And um, he then the question he asked me that night was, you know, what are you doing out here? And it wasn't like, what are you doing, like overlording it on me. He just asked me like, well, what are you doing out here? And I was just like, I don't know, like just walking around, really getting some hungry jacks. And 
And so that was my first encounter. He invites me to church, you know, a, a non-denominational, very reformed church, which is the complete opposite of a country charismatic church. And so I said, no, I'm all good. Thanks, mate. So anyway, the, the next week I get a knock on the door. It's a salesman trying to sell insulation back in the insulation scheme. I'm like, no, thanks. I'm all good. On his half turn, he says, um, oh, I was right for pray for you. And I was like, that's a bit random, but yeah, why not? So <laughs> he lays hands and he, and he prophesies and, and says about, you know, my, my past and where I've come from, you know, and it just blew me out of the water because I really respect that, you know, supernatural stuff. And mm. so I, I went downstairs. My brothers like looked at me like, you look like you've seen a ghost. I was like, oh, I think I saw an angel. I don't know. I didn't even know how to label that because I've never had that level of encounter before. Mm-hmm. He invites me to his church. It was in Sunshine Coast, so an hour north of Brizzy. And uh, I'm like... Maybe maybe it's too far. So maybe, maybe I started thinking about this other guy I met the week before. And then the third week, I'm at work and um, my brother comes to visit and we go down and get some food at the Jindalee DFO, direct factory outlet downstairs. I was working at Fitness First, the gym at the top at the time. And, and I walked, I started seeing people from my hometown. I was like, what's going on here? Like little, like, and that was a youth group from Harvey Bay coming down for like a youth alive concert or something oh, like wow. that yeah and i was like oh man i can't escape these people <laughs> and then i hear and then i hear hey brother hey brother and i look over and there's a indigenous guy um you know a black fella from harvey bay who knows my family as well he says hey brother can i can i can i pray over you can i pray and i was just he like, just randomly came just up to randomly you. to me and my my middle brother kashaya after all these things had been happening. yeah so this is the third third week fourth yeah. week so it's all in one month yeah and i was like oh fine i give up so i bow my head <laughs> the lord is after you <laughs> yeah and then what i realized is all those kids i saw around the shopping center the youth group that were on tour they like yeah. just all came and laid hands and prayed and some of them i knew from they were a couple of grades younger than me at school and some of them their siblings i knew and so it was really you know it nearly makes me cry now but you know it's like he, he came after me you know and I, and I realized back in my life how many times he came after me. And you know, one time I was sitting at my uni, my, my mate's uni party, and a girl walks in. Her name's Lizzie. And I used to work my first job in Harvey Bay. She was sold out on fire for the Lord. And um, she would always nag on me to get to church and youth. I'm like, nah, not interested. You know, I've got my own plan. And she had a go at me. She's like, why do you wear a cross around your neck if you don't, you know, live it? And it's pretty, like, pretty bold. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was like, how dare she say that? But then I was just like, <laughs> I like gritted my teeth and I was like, whatever. Because, because I liked her she was a cool cool girl um, and a good friend so um, but that stuck with me and all these times I've realised how many times God moved on people and then people listened and obedient and reached out you're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scatterbo is once again chatting with musician Mike Lane, who has introduced us to his friend and fellow didgeridoo player, Isaac Harrison. Today, Isaac is sharing his story. We found out that he's an Indigenous Australian and also the founder and director of his own renewable energy company. We'll hear more of Isaac's story when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. Our guest today is once again musician Mike Lane, who has introduced us to his friend and fellow didgeridoo player, Isaac Harrison. Isaac is an Indigenous Australian and also happens to be the founder and director of his own renewable energy company. 
Isaac is sharing his story with us today. And next, we're going to find out what happened when he decided to go back to church. And so I went to this Reformed church, which is really different from what I grew up with. And in fact, it was an eye-opener. But I really respect their emphasis on holiness and, and soberness. And, and they were just great people, you know, surgeons, doctors, pilots. And mm-hmm. it, was a, it was such a different change. You, know, you never hear a tither message. <laughs> and, it was, and it was, yeah, awesome. So then I ended up at Sunny Coast. Um, I went to this other church, that, that second guy that I met. Mm-hmm. I went to that church, spent a good couple of years on the Sunshine Coast. So I got a trade there. So I got a trade. And a guy at that church that I was a part of had a startup in renewable energy. Oh, okay, and, um, so that's how and this that is how all began. Of the story, okay. yeah. 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 And he says to me, you know, I've got this startup and it's going to be a big industry and you know, want to be a part of it. So at the moment, I like just secured a trade. I'm just qualified. You know, how got old my are you? Work van. At this stage, I'm 20. Okay, 20, just 21. young guy, just starting. Yeah, young guy. So I'm like, oh, do I really want to leave um, where I'm doing my trade? Mm-hmm. And um, so I prayed intensely into it, and then I said, yeah, let's do it. So. I was like the fourth, fifth employee. I was like the third in the office. By the time I, I um, getting in on the ground later, floor, it sounds yeah, like. yeah, yeah. So by the time I left to Melbourne to run the the Victorian branch of it, um, we had thirty, forty employees, and he went from you know turning over two hundred thousand, turning over like six mil within like wow. two years. So all online, all on eBay, you know, centralized location, sunny coast, sending out. Um, and that was, to me, it was incredible. I saw miracles in business, which were, like, ridiculous. So we'd have customs hold a shipping container, and the guys are like, there's no way we're going to get it. All these customers are going to miss out. And without any word, we'd rock in the morning, and the shipping container would be there at the door. Wow. The truck dropped it off. So they got a call from customs to pick it up at some ridiculous time. And Was he and a Christian as well? He was a Christian, yes. Yeah, so it was a kingdom business. And, and a lot of the other people that were working there weren't. And they would be like, oh, this happens too much. It's, it's freaking me out. <laughs> and so I was just like, wow, like God likes making people rich. No, <laughs> no I was just amazed because I was like, God cares about our livelihood. You know, it's mm-hmm. just not like a, a kingdom stuff. So, yeah, then I, I, so I moved to Melbourne. And I, you were um, growing as a Christian? Yeah, I was, I was growing time? more and more. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. more and more tested. You know, when I did my trade, I, I probably had the hardest time. As a Christian, I worked dead-end jobs in factories where I got, like, you know, just verbally abused and, like, just crazy stuff, you know. And Because of your heritage or...? I think a bit of both. And there was one place I remember it, there was a factory that just did salad dressing bottles for coals, and all I did was put lids on it. And so I this would, was all before...? This is before I got my trade, and then yeah. I ended up in renewable energy. Mm-hmm. And I remember being at, like, my lowest, and I'd drive home, and I'd be like, God, like, I felt like you brought me out to the desert to die. Like, I've left Brisbane, you know, I felt to move to Sunshine Coast to be a part of this church group, this organization, which I met Daniel Hagen, which is now my, my pastor in Frankston. And um, I said, what is going on? Like, this is the worst. And that's where I learned the most character, you know. It sounds like you weren't having the abundant life. I was not. Far <laughs> the, the, from having. The, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Far. You know, I couldn't pay my bills. I was behind my rent by like two months. I got to the point where me and my roommate, who also worked part-time dead-end jobs, we would go to Salvation Army in Maroochydore and pick up bread and buy butter and wow. milk and tea. And that would be our diet for the so week. That- doesn't get much lower than that. Yeah. It's hard to believe that we're eventually going to be talking about a Rolls Royce. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And my parents came to visit, and they – so I, I stopped playing soccer, and I stopped pursuing 
playing on a professional level. I was playing semi-pro, so I was getting paid oh, wow. per game. And yeah. So I stopped that because I felt like God calling me away from that. And I'd done mm-hmm. it since I was six years old. And um, as, I, as I left that, like, my parents – and I left a job at Qantas as well. So my parents like, he's given up semi-pro soccer and he's given up a job at Qantas to bum around sunny coast, you know, eat Salvation Army bread. So they really, on the physical level, thought, man, you've, like, turned it in. Like, you've lost it. You know, you've become too spiritual. You've become over mm-hmm. the top. And But I just knew in here, like, in my life, I've always done things, like, 100%, mm-hmm. 100% for myself or 100% for my flesh, you know. But when I, when I signed up to following, you know, Jesus and following his teachings, it was going to be 100%, mm-hmm. you know. That's just the way I operate. And um, so you were convicted and felt led yeah. to be on the Sunshine Coast. Yeah. And, and even though it wasn't working out too well. Yeah, it wasn't initially. working out too well. And But in that time, you know, we met, we were on the streets and even workplace. I got to lay hands and pray for people. I, probably one of the most profound things I've ever had a Jehovah Witness boy on the factory line. We're doing the bottles. So. I was literally like praying in tongues and singing songs and just praying all day because it was so loud, no one could hear you. Oh wow! And so the guy next to me, he he grew up Jehovah Witness and he left the church. So all his community don't talk to him. That's how hmm. that ran. So he's kind of excommunicated. He's excommunicated, and he's oh, I don't believe in any of that religion, that rubbish, and blah blah blah. So as an Aboriginal, you grow up with witch doctors and magic and spiritualism. That's very normal. Mm-hmm. When I got to school, I never yep. knew what an atheist was until like a strain because I'm an atheist. I believe in nothing, and I was like, because you've seen. Because I've seen it. Life. I've seen people yeah. walk out of deathbeds on ICU two days later. I've seen people have, you know, respiratory failure and then it just comes back to life, you know, and kidneys come back to life. People hit by a bus and, and come back to life. I've, you know, my, my adopted sister was shaken, baby thrown across the room, you know, torn retinas, was written off with all sorts of things and she's completely fine after just prayer. Wow. So I've seen it. And so this guy was like, teasing me and mocking me and he said all right if you, you know you think where was i born it was it was a reddest thing and in my head it just the words rockhampton popped in my head and i said rockhampton so i don't know if i guess the holy spirit sovereignly just <laughs> oh, goes wow. bang and i said rockhampton and he just looked at me looked back at his station bowed his head and just started back to work and didn't say anything the whole shift and i was like oh I'm- well, I guess I was wrong, you know, because he was just like, oh, this guy's an idiot. And he comes back <laughs> later and he goes, how did you do that? Wow. And I was just like blown. And so in that time, I had these encounters where I had nothing on the physical. I had no money to my name was behind my rent. And then, yeah, I spent that season. Then I spent a season with the trade and I got persecuted hard. You know, there was a guy whose best mate was Christian and he believed Christianity took his best mate away. So he just had it out on me. Hmm. Um, my- so he's all angry. Yeah, my boss was ex-Navy, you know, really old school, an alcoholic, and he just had it. Like, everyone had it out on me. So it was a real test. And and eventually, when I got a job at this kingdom business, I took every day, like, with such thankfulness because, you know. Yeah, because so he had slog. seen the alternative. <laughs> I've seen the alternative, and it's, persecuted, it's not fun, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so, and that's how I, I ended up in Melbourne. So the church I was part of, the guy, he moved back to Melbourne because he's a mm-hmm. Melbourner. And he said to me, actually, we need a um, position with our youth, you know, someone to, to run the youth. And, you know, would you be interested? Um, also play, you know, I was playing Yidiki, which is the didgeridoo mm-hmm. um, professionally. So things were winding up there in the Sunshine Coast, both the church that I was a part of and um, work-wise. It was feeling like end of the road. There wasn't much more for me to do. Okay, I'm going to stop so, you right there. So you're in Victoria now. Yep. And you're eventually going to meet this guy over here, Mike Lane, yep. because yep. you both play. We'll get there. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> and uh, things kind of take off, yep. and you're now the founder of your own. Yeah, that's right. Energy yep. company. 
Yep. Unfortunately, we've run out of time for this first edition. We'd like to invite you to come back and have a yeah, part two of this conversation. Would yeah. that be all right? Yeah. Mike, you going to come back too? Sounds great. Okay, as we just heard, there's more to Isaac's story. But we've run out of time for today's program, so we invite you to join us again next time to find out how Isaac becomes the founder and director of his own renewable energy company called Boonjil Energy. Also, we'll hear more about Mike Lane and Isaac's plans to convert a Rolls-Royce into an electric car. It's interesting stuff. And before we go, I just wanted to mention that I thought it was great how God kept on bringing more Christian people into Isaac's life, to the point that he could have no longer deny that God was pursuing him. As the Bible says, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Well, thanks for joining us for this first part of Isaac's story. Until next time when we'll hear more, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I got a call from an Indigenous man of God from the city, works in the city, told me about opportunities for Indigenous businesses to work with the government. I pitched, you know, four investors and eventually the, the investor I chose said the words, I feel there's a shift with Aboriginal people and I want to be a part of it. And that was God saying, this is the man that you will journey with and that's my business partner. Isaac Harrison is an Indigenous Australian and a didgeridoo player. He joins us once again to share more of his story and how he became the founder and director of his own renewable energy company. All that and more next time. The Story. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.